Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson live from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man ihtada bihuda amma ba'ad Tonight by the will of Allah Azza wa Jal we continue from where we left off in the explanation of the famous poem known as Al-Ha'iya by the great Imam Abu Bakr ibn Abi Dawood al-Sijistani rahimahullah. And we mentioned in our earlier lessons that the poem is called Al-Ha'iya. Why? Why is it called Al-Ha'iya? Does anyone remember or know? Majid? Excellent. Because every verse in the poem ends with the letter Ha. That's why it's called the Ha'iya. The letter Ha is the ending of each sentence. And there's a lot of poems in Islam that were written like that. Like Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, his famous poem known as An-Nuniya, because it ends with the letter Noon. And there's others. In our last lesson, we were discussing the Sahaba of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and their virtue, and their status in Islam. And we've mentioned that many of the ulama, many of the great imams from the past, they speak about the Sahaba in their books of Aqidah. Many of the ulama, they speak about the Sahaba and their virtue in their books of Aqidah. What does the virtue of the Sahaba have to do with Aqidah? Because it is from the Aqidah of Ahlul Sunnah that we love and honor and respect the companions. Because there are deviated sects who abuse and curse the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum. So the Sahaba is a matter of aqidah. It is not a matter of fiqh. It's not a matter of yani, motivational talk or anything of that. No. The topic of the Sahaba is a topic of creed. Because it differentiates truth from falsehood. Because the people of falsehood they speak against the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Shaykh he mentions in the book here that the ones who spoke against the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum, they fall under three categories or three sects. Okay, even though it might be more or different, but the main sects that spoke about the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum were three sects. The first of them was the Khawarij. And not only did the Khawarij speak against the Sahaba or some of the Sahaba, they even fought them and killed some of them. And we know that they went to war with Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he killed many of them. So the Khawarij, 
were from the first ones to abuse the Sahaba or some of the companions of the Prophet And what inspired them to oppose the Sahaba was their extremism and their harshness in the deen. That's what made the Khawarij go against the Sahaba because of their ghulu, their extremism in the deen. They even accused Ali radiallahu anhu of not ruling by the book of Allah. They accused him of judging by taghut, by other than Allah's hukum. That's how extreme the khawarij were. Okay? And the topic of the khawarij has been spoken about in many of the previous lessons. So it was this, their extremism in the deen. Their goal and their objective was never to belittle Islam. Pay attention. When the khawarij went against the sahaba, it was never out of them wanting to belittle the deen. It was only out of their extremism that led them to opposing the sahaba. And this was done as they claim out of their profound love for the religion and their jealousy. That's what they said. When they went against the Sahaba, they claimed that it was out of love for the deen. As though they loved the religion more than the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So the Khawarij, their objective was the extremism. It was not them trying to attack the religion or belittle Islam. No. The second sect who came out and abused the companions were the Nawasib. The Nawasib are the second sect to have come out and from what some of the scholars have mentioned, they do not exist anymore. And the Nawasib in particular, they went against Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu and Ahlul Bayt. They went against Ali radiallahu anhu and Ahlul Bayt. They had a dislike to Ali radiallahu anhu and to Ahlul Bayt. And there's no doubt that the Khawarij and the Nawasib are all upon misguidance, without a doubt. And the Nawasib came out due to politics. It was a political matter that pushed them to curse some of the Sahaba, intending with that to belittle the rule of Ali, radiallahu anhu. So the Nawasib, they're the ones that hated Ali radiallahu anhu and those from Ahlul Bayt. And according to them, Ali radiallahu anhu was not deserving of the Khalifa. This was the Nawasib. The third sect who spoke against the Sahaba or abused the Sahaba is the common one that is known today as the Rafida or the Shia even though the Shia is an incorrect name for them. Their correct name is Rafida, rejectors. This is their correct name. Their objective was to actually belittle the religion. And they are the most evil of them. Out of all the ones that spoke against the Sahaba, the Rafida are the most evil. Because by insulting and criticizing the Sahaba, 
there will not remain any link between us and Rasulullah The link between the Prophet and his Ummah was who? Who was the link? It was the Sahaba. They are the ones who took the message from Muhammad and gave it to us. So by criticizing them, they are attacking the deen. Because the deen was carried on the shoulders of these men. So when the Rafidah, they claim and they say that almost all of the Sahaba left Islam after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, or that the majority of them were hypocrites or whatever they say, may Allah curse them. What does that say about the carriers of the message? What does that say about the message itself? For their belief is belittling the deen and criticizing those who carried the religion. And that's why they are the most evil and dangerous, without a doubt. The religion only reached us by the way of the Sahaba. So according to the Rafidah, the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum are not reliable. The Rafidah actually believe that all the Sahaba, over 100,000 of them, they all left Islam, and the ones that remained Muslim besides Alul Bayt were approximately seven. Seven companions, Allahu Akbar. What have they done to the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal? What is this accusation against the deen of Allah? About the ones who carried the message to us. But no doubt, it is a filthy evil. And it is a poison, a cancer. Naam. The Sheikh says, and we have previously discussed the virtues of the Sahaba and that some of them are more virtuous than others. We spoke about that earlier. Some Sahaba are greater than others. But they all share one common thing. They were all companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this is enough. That they are all Sahaba of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But amongst themselves, no doubt, some are better than others. And if we mention that some companions are better than others, this does not mean we are putting down the others. If we say Abu Bakr is better than Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhum, it's not belittling Umar. But it's showing the great status of Abu Bakr. If we say the four Khulafa al-Rashidin are the best of the Sahaba, we are not belittling the other Sahaba. But we are pointing the greatness of these four. And so forth. And this has already proceeded. That the best of the companions, Shabab, we mentioned, are the four. Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhum. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned this in the hadith himself. Where he said, it is upon you to stick to my way and the way of the rightly guided successors after me. Alaykum bi sunnati. Follow my sunnah. Wa sunnat al khulafa al rashidin al mahdiyin min ba'di. And the khulafa after me. He said, follow my sunnah and their sunnah. And then he said, hold on to it. Bite down on it with your molar teeth. Bite onto my sunnah and the sunnah of the khulafa with your molar teeth. 
The ulama say this is an expression to show how serious it is that a Muslim must adhere to the sunnah. Because when you bite down on something to hold on to it, it means you are holding on for your very dear life. And the ulama have mentioned this. Imagine a person lost at sea. Imagine a person lost at sea. He's on a boat. The boat capsizes, gets destroyed. All he has is a piece of wood that has a rope attached to it. That piece of wood is what he's relying on to live. What's he going to do with the rope? He's going to bite onto it for dear life. That's why the Prophet ﷺ said, bite onto my sunnah. Because that's what's going to save you. My sunnah and the sunnah of the khulafa. Bite onto it with your mawla teeth. Don't just hold it, bite onto it. Look at the words of the Prophet ﷺ. And that is why we are always encouraged and it's important that we learn the sunnah of Rasulullah to implement it in our lives. That's how you practice your deen. Not what this person done or that person done. Any act of worship you come to do, the first question that should come to your mind, did the Prophet or the four khulafa or the sahaba do this? If the answer is yes, go full speed ahead. If the answer is no, pull up the handbrake. Don't. This is the advice of Rasulullah Buy onto my sunnah and the sunnah of those khulafa after me. So the one who named them Khulafa Rashidin is the Rasul Sallallahu himself. He called them the rightly guided Khulafa. So we follow their way because their way is the way of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the most virtuous, the most virtuous of them is Abu Bakr, no doubt. Then Umar according to the consensus of the Muslims, meaning there's no khilaf with the Muslims regarding this. There's no khilaf in Islam that Abu Bakr is the best of the ummah after the Prophet and then Umar. No difference of an opinion. At one point, we touched up on this earlier, some of the scholars, they differed concerning Ali and Uthman, radiallahu ta'ala anhum. Some sahas, they had different of opinion, difference of opinion. Who's better, Ali or Uthman? Some said Uthman, which we'll see is the correct opinion. But some said Ali, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, is better than Uthman. But even the early Muslims who believed Ali was better than Uthman in virtue, they never doubted Uthman's Khalifa. They all accepted Uthman's Khalifa and Ali radiallahu anhu's Khalifa. And we spoke about this earlier. So the early Muslims who believed Ali to be better than Uthman, they still acknowledged Uthman as the Khalifa after Umar. But it was later on where Tashayyu' came from the man known as Abdullah ibn Sabah. 
Abdullah ibn Saba was the first Shia or Rafidi. He's the one that made that sect. He was a Jew that came from Yemen. And when he came from Yemen to the Arab lands, he started to preach that Ali should have been the Khalifa before Uthman. He was the first one to ever say that. Even the ones that believed Ali was more virtuous than Uthman never said that. They all believed Uthman is the Khalifa. We accept what the Muslims accept. But this man, Abdullah ibn Saba, who was a Jew from Yemen, he came and then he started saying, why did Uthman become the Khalifa? It should have been Ali. That's how he put his poison in. Then from that, he began saying, Ali is better than Uthman, Ali should have been the Khalifa. Ali is better than Omar, Ali is better than Abu Bakr. Ali should have been the Khalifa after Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that's how the Rafidah started. People started listening to him and then they became a sect. So this was never known in the Muslim world amongst the pious predecessors. Everyone agreed that the best of the Ummah was Abu Bakr, Omar, Uthman, Ali, and that was their aura. And everyone accepted the Khalifa the way it was. Until this type of poison entered the Ummah later on. And Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, regarding this, he said, whoever criticizes the Khalifa of any one of them, Whoever criticizes the Khalifa of anyone, either Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, or Ali, radiallahu anhum, he is more lost than the family donkey. This is what Shaykh al-Islam said. He's more lost than a donkey. Because you can't criticize something that the Ummah had agreed upon. And that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam indicated to in his life. He then says the scholars or the correct view is that Uthman is given preference, even in virtue. Uthman is given preference both in Khalifa and in virtue over Ali, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And this does not belittle Ali radiallahu anhu in any way. And the matter regarding who takes precedence between Uthman and Ali is a light matter amongst the early Muslims. It was not a big deal to them whether Ali or Uthman was better. It was just an opinion, but they still loved and accepted both of them. Now, he says, however, to criticize either of them in their Khalifa is no doubt misguidance. That is because the Rafida, they say, the Khalif after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is Ali. So they came with something that the whole Ummah never heard of. When they said Ali should have been the Khalifa after Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that the companions oppressed Ali radiallahu anhu. And they forced the Khalifa out of him. And they done this to him. And they done that to him. And this is what amazes us. The Rafida, who claim to believe, they claim to believe that Ali radiallahu anhu was a lion warrior, which he was, no doubt. 
But they, this is what they say. Yes, we believe Ali is a lion and a warrior and, and, and. But we believe that, no doubt. But then they come and they tell you he was oppressed and they took the Khalifa off him and they oppressed him and they, they give you a sub story about Tayyib. If he's this warrior lion that you're talking about, how does it make sense that he allowed this to happen to him? They even say that he was forced to marry his daughter to Umar because Umar was married to the daughter of Ali. So he asked him, okay, how did that happen? If what you say about Umar is true. The guy who was forced, Allahu Akbar, Ali the lion, forced to give his daughter away in marriage to someone that oppressed him and that he dislikes. So everything they claim from their love, even for Ali radiallahu anhu, is a lie. If anything, they've made Ali out to be a coward. That's the honest truth. No. The true belief regarding the Sahaba is with Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. No doubt about this. And we said Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is the most virtuous of the four. Allah praised him in many places in the Quran. Even after the incident with our mother, the mother of the believers, Aisha radiallahu anha, uh, where the hypocrites accused her of doing the evil act, one of the people that fell into that was one of the relatives of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, who Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu used to help financially. Abu Bakr had a relative who was poor. So Abu Bakr used to give him to help him. That man began speaking about Ummul Mu'mineen Aisha radiallahu anha. So Abu Bakr made an oath. He goes, I'm never going to help him ever again for talking about my daughter. Then Allah revealed the verse. And he said, let not those among you who are blessed with fadl, with grace and wealth, swear not to give any hope to their relatives. Look at, look at Allah Azza wa Jal. Even after that, Allah said to Abu Bakr in the verse, whoever Allah has given him and opened for him, don't make an oath, oath that you won't help your relatives that are in need. SubhanAllah. And then he continued to help him after that verse was revealed. And Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned him in a number of places in the Quran. Allah says about the Prophet, if you do not help him, it does not matter. Allah will help him. When the disbelievers drove him out, the second of the two. Who's the second of the two? Him and Abu Bakr. When they were in the cave. And Allah mentions in the Quran, He said to his sahib, to his friend, his companion, لا تحزن إن الله معنا Do not be sad, Allah is with us. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is the best of the companions. As is mentioned in many ahadith. And he is also the most virtuous of this ummah. Abu Bakr not only is it the best of the sahaba, He's the best of the entire ummah after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he was the first from the men to accept Islam. 
And subhanallah, when Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu became a Muslim, he was the first man. The Prophet called him to Islam, he became a Muslim. The Prophet told him, go bring others to Islam. He went, he came back with six. Those six were from the ten Mubashirin in paradise. Allahu Akbar. Abu Bakr went, got six people to Islam, and those six were amongst the ten who were given glad tidings of Jannah. So how great is Abu Bakr? Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And when he died, the Ummah agreed to choose Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu to lead the nation. Even the Prophet before his death, he mentioned that. When he would not allow anyone to lead the Salah when he was sick except Abu Bakr. When he was very sick, he asked Aisha radiallahu anha, have the people prayed? And she said, no, they're waiting for you, Ya Rasulullah. He said, let Abu Bakr lead them. So Aisha radiallahu anha, it's her father, Abu Bakr. She said, Ya Rasulullah, maybe choose someone else because my father, I know he's very soft. When he recites the Quran, he cries. So get someone else. And the Prophet ﷺ said, no one leads the Muslims except Abu Bakr in the Salah. What more of an indication do you want? But subhanAllah, it is very important that we learn the history and the seerah of our Prophet ﷺ and his companions. And it's enough the Prophet ﷺ called him the Siddiq, the truthful one. Because he was truthful in accepting Islam. And he was truthful in everything that Allah Azza wa Jal ordered him to do. And after Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is Umar. Umar is the greatest of the ummah after Abu Bakr. And this the Muslims have agreed upon. There's no difference of opinion. Umar al-Farooq, that was his name. Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, Umar al-Farooq. The name Farooq means the distinguisher. Because Umar, he will distinguish between truth and falsehood. He was the distinguisher between truth and falsehood. And Allah Azza wa Jal strengthened Islam through Umar. Allah Azza wa Jal, he strengthened Islam through Umar and his Islam. Even the Prophet ﷺ made that dua. He said, Oh Allah, Oh Allah, give honor to Islam through one of the two Umars. Yani let one of the two Umars become Muslim so that Islam can grow and be strong. Who are the two Umars? Umar ibn al-Khattab. And the other Umar was Abu Jahl. Abu Jahl, his name was Umar. So the Prophet ﷺ made that dua. Let one of them become a Muslim. And Allah chose Umar al-Farooq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And before Umar and Hamza became Muslim radiallahu ta'ala anhum, the Muslims were in a state of weakness. They will gather at a place called Darul Arqam. They used to hide and give da'wah because they were in a state of weakness. They were only few in number. Quraysh was very harsh and severe on them, so they were too scared to even come out with their da'wah. But once Umar and Hamza, radiallahu anhum, became Muslim, 
That's when the da'wah completely changed. That's where the Muslims would come out and they will face Quraysh and whatever else. That's the strength one man bring to Islam. And that's Omar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. And that's why Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, the Sahabi radiallahu anhu, he said, we have not ceased. Yani we continue to be honored since Omar became a Muslim. We continue to be honored since Omar became a Muslim. And Omar was the second Khalif after Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. And inshallah in our next lesson, we will speak more about the virtues of Omar and the virtues of Uthman and Ali and the rest of the companions radiallahu ta'ala anhum. Are there any questions? That's it. Bye. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik, nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk.